the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Turn to your neighbor and say, look out for them and avoid them. And look out for them in you and suppress them and uproot them. All right. So when you see that you are becoming unappeasable, watch it. When you see that you are becoming slanderous, watch it. Most of the time when we read scripture and he has a certain negative instruction to give, most of the time you are likely to look for somebody else that it fit this person's context and you forget that the scripture is speaking to you personally. So we started by looking at a series with broadly captioned, Lovers of God. Somebody say, Lovers of God. Lovers. This is Lovers of God series two. We did series one under which I explore understanding God's love and this is Lovers of God series two. And under series two, we are looking at what I have captioned forbidden love. Somebody say forbidden love. So that's the series within the series we are doing is forbidden love. Come with me to 1 John chapter 2 verse 15 to 17. Let's read it together. One go. Uh-huh. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. How many times does the word world appear here? From verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Number three, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All right? That is it. And then number five, it's not from the Father, but from the world. Verse 17, the world is passing away. That is sex. Praise the Lord. In just three verses, sex. And it says, do not love the world. And last week we were looking at trying to gain an understanding of what the Bible means when it says, do not love the world. Because 
If you remember in John chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, God says he's loving the world and he gave his only begotten son for the world. So, if God so loved the world and he gave his only begotten son for the world, why should we not love the world? Okay? We established last week that the world that God loved is different from the world that we are not to love. And I took you through that when you read the epistles of John, the world wealth is used in 10 different ways. I walked you through a number of them. But one of them is that it represents the evil system. We call it cosmos. Cosmopolitan, cosmetic, and all of the other cosmos. That's where the word world comes from. It's an organized system. But this one is not just an organized system. It's an organized, evil, invisible system that seeks to bring us into bondage and to corrupt us and to get us to go off track with God. So when the Bible says, do not love the world, don't see it. The world can mean the whole world, the creation. Look at the beauty of creation. The Bible said, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The firmament showeth his handiwork. So all of these, the beauty of creation. We can admire creation. We can admire flowers. We can love them. I love this flower. I love this particular color. It's fine. But when the Bible says we should not love the world, he's talking about the satanic influences in the world. First John chapter 5, verse 19. First John 5, 19. Look at what the Bible says about the world. First John 5, 19. He said, we know. Somebody say, we know. We know. Say, I know. See, John was written to help people to know what they have. We know. And so the word know is frequently used in the book because he wrote it so that we will know we have eternal life, so that we know the love of God is at work in us, so that we will know that we are the children of God. Now that are we the sons of God, it do not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when we shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So when you read the book, you see, that the word no repeatedly used again and again. He said, we know that we are of God. Somebody say, I'm of God. Say, I am of God. I am of God. In other words, I have the seed of God in me. I carry the DNA of God practically in me. I am born of God. In fact, some other verses in John, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. First John 5, 4. So we are of God. Say, I am of God. Say, I am of God. Now he said, we are of God. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Somebody said, the world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Which world lies under the sway of the wicked one? There is a world that Satan is in charge. And this is the evil system. The evil system of a world. Satan controls it. The financial system. We talk about the financial world. We are talking about banks. We are talking about savings and loans companies. We are talking about credits, unions, and all of those things. That's the world of bank. We can talk about the world of sports. It's an organized system. And it has structure. And it functions in that order. Satan also has an organized system that he uses to influence and try to conform us into the world. Jesus was praying for those of us who are born again in John chapter 17 and verse number 15 to 16. This is what Jesus said. He said, I do not pray that you take them out of the world. I do not pray. Somebody say, I do not pray. I do not pray. 
John 17, 15 to 16. I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Why? Because the evil one is operating in the world. Then he says in verse 16, they are not of the world. Somebody say, I'm not of the world. Of the world. Just as I am not of the world. They are not of the world. It quickly takes my mind to Philippians 3.20 where the Bible says our citizenship is from heaven. It tells us that we are not from the world. So we are from somewhere else. That's why we are not from the world. He says, I'm not from the world as they are not from the world. Don't take them away from here. Keep them in the world. And I told you last week that when you are born again, you are not born again to escape from the world. You are born again to engage the world differently and positively for the Lord. Somebody say, when I get born again, God has a new purpose for my life. And his purpose is for me to influence the world positively. Okay, There is a way we are not to relate with the world, but there is also a way we are to relate with the world. We are not to relate with the world by conforming to the standards of the world. So in the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, he says that I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as what? Living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't be like the world. Don't be in sync with the world. Don't have your affections and your desires and your life lived like unbelievers in the world. Live differently. Are you here with me? So the Bible says we are not to conform to the world. Not only are we not to conform to the world, but we are not to love the world. Somebody say we are not to love the world. And that's what I'm teaching on. Forbidding love. Somebody say forbidding love. Say forbidding love. Okay, so when we talk about forbidding love, we are simply talking about love that is forbidden. Somebody say love that is forbidden. Yeah, love that is not permitted. God does not permit us. A believer is supposed to be known by his love life. If you are born again, in fact, the letters of John, amongst many things he helps us to understand there is the fact that we are children of God. And being a child of God, there are a lot of characteristics the man gives to prove that you are a child of God. Being a child of God means that you have eternal life in you. Being a child of God means that you have the nature of love in you. And being a child of God also means that you cannot comfortably love the world. When you are a child of God, you can't comfortably love the world. He says, if any loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's not a matter of debating. I speak in tongues. I sing. He says, if you are in love with the world, something is fundamentally wrong somewhere. Okay, so we said that do not love the world. We established that it's a command. I said I'm going to talk about four things. One, we are touching on the command. Somebody say the command. command. Say the command. command. It's a command. Do not love the world. It's like don't touch this. It's a command. And then we look at the cost. Why not love the world? Why is it that we shouldn't love the world? There's a cost attached to it. And then there are components. When he says we should not love the world, what are the core components he's talking about? We'll look at that. And the climax of a world. Where is the world heading towards? Why should you not love the world? Because the world is going to a particular place. And that is not a place you want to go. So you should not love the world. We see all of that here. Look at it. First John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. He said, do not love the world. All the things in the world. That's the command. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you are going to be madly in love with the world, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. And the cost is that <laughs> you will miss out on what you are supposed to gain out of sweet fellowship with the Father. The love of the Father. You can't experience the love of God like the way you ought to experience it. Enjoy it and get the most out of it if you decide to go your way and love the world. Loving the world can cost you. I hear with me. That's why we should not love the world. To love the world means to seek the good of the world more than you seek the good of God and his kingdom. When getting the best out of the world is more important to getting the best for God and for the things that pertain to him. So, do you not love the world? And we are forbidden in two ways. Don't love the world. Don't love the things of the world. So, last week, I spent time touching on do not love the world. I explained to you what the world is. And I told you that the world has an agenda and a mission. Somebody say, the world has an agenda. And a mission. What is the world's agenda? It's a threefold agenda. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I came that you might have life, have it to the full, until the abundance, until it overflows. Now, just as God has that threefold agenda, Satan also has threefold agenda as far as your living in the world is concerned. One, his first step is to capture you. Somebody say capture you. He is to capture you. The world seeks to capture you. The world seeks to conform you. And the world seeks to corrupt you. Somebody say, the world seeks to capture me. The world seeks to conform me. And the world seeks to corrupt my relationship with God. These are very important. The thief comes not except to what? Steal. He wants to capture you. That's what Satan is doing. So, when he throws at you pleasures of the world, he shows you all kinds of things. And makes you fall madly in love with the world. Pleasure after pleasure. Just going after the passions of the world. You must understand that it's a bait. The Bible said, if any man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust, Satan uses certain things to bait you. If you've ever stayed in the village, or you don't even need to stay in the village. If you've ever gone fishing before, you have to put a bait on the hook. And then you drop it in the river. And then you watch it. You are getting ready. When the fish or the whatever animal you are seeking to catch comes around it, you begin to feel the heaviness in it. Then you pull it out. That's what Satan does. Strategically. He throws it at you. And then you look around, you look around, you look around. The moment he gets hooked up, he pulls you up. Yeah, he pulls you up. And by the time you realize you are getting to a place you originally did not intend to go. That's what the passions of the world does. Sin would take you farther than you want to go. The pleasures of this world would take you farther than you want to go. So he's seeking to capture you. Somebody's seeking to capture you. That's number one. Number two, he's seeking to conform you to its values. That is Romans chapter 12 verse 2. He said, do not be conformed to this world. To be conformed to the world means the word conform has to be to be present. To fit into a mold. You are being pushed on every side. Press to fit into a mold. So the world forces us to fit into a mold. They want us to do things like the way they do it. They want us to work all week and not make time to fellowship. 
They want us to earn money and spend it all on ourselves without thinking about investing in the kingdom of God. That's what the world does. The world always pushes us to flow in a particular pattern. But God's will is different. And I see you functioning in God's will. The third one is to corrupt your relationship with God. The world has three agendas. One, capture. Two, conform. Three is to corrupt. Somebody say corrupt. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 20. Second Peter 2 20. The New King James says that for if after they escape, look at this, look at this, look at this. For if after they escape where? Look at this. They escape where? Oh, come on, look on the screen and let's read it together. After they did what? After they did. After they escaped the pollutions of the world. After they escaped the pollutions of the world. Through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Did you see that? You escaped. How did you escape? When you got born again, you escaped from the grips of the world. That's why he said that we are not in the world because we are in the world, but we have escaped from its influence. We have been delivered from the evil plot and schemes in the world. But that scheme, as long as we remain in the atmosphere, you know, when there's a smoke in a place and you are around the area, you are likely to smell it. And when you come out of the place, immediately, when somebody meets you, he's likely to smell smoke on you. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Now, it's the same thing. We are in the world, and the world is seeking. The influence of the world cannot enter us because in our spirit is a new man. We have the spirit of God in the inside of us. That cannot be corrupted. But Satan is using it. He's pressing all kinds of influences around us so that when we are walking about, people can still be smelling the wealth system around us. But I see the situation changing. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. The Bible says, so after we escape the pollutions of the world. So there are pollutions in the world. There are pollutions. Netflix, some of us are addicted to Netflix. You watch it every night. And you have all kinds of affections. You are desiring all kinds of things. You are getting all kinds of emotions. You can't control yourself. You can't control your feelings. And you think it is coming from somewhere. That is what you are watching. That's what you are feeding into your system. You are loving the world and the things in the world. There's virtually no movie in Netflix where there won't be a certain time spent for romance. Practically almost now, almost every movie comes with it. It's an influence. It's a movie world. It's a film industry. That's what they call it. That is a world. And it's a world that Satan is specially using to influence people. Social media is another place. You know, if you can spend one hour on social media and you can't spend one hour in prayer, alone. You love the word more than you love God. When we talk about loving the word, that's what it means. Anything you are willing to give up for the world, anything you are willing to give to to the world, but you are unwilling to give to God, is an indication that you are madly in love with the world. Praise the Lord. If you can give three hours to sit down and watch a movie and you sit in church for two hours and you start to doze, you are in love with the world. You go to a shop, you can spend and spend. And by the end of the year, you see that you spent much more on yourself than how much you have given to advance the cause of Christ. It shows your priorities. It shows where your heart is. 
When we say you are a worldly believer, that is what it means. It's not that you are wearing a short skirt. That's an elementary. But a worldly believer is seen by your priorities, the things you spend your time, your energy, and your resources. That's what shows where your heart is. Whether you are worldly or you are spiritual, that's what shows. Somebody say, I'm delivered. Uh-huh. You have already been delivered from the corruption in the world. And the world is seeking to corrupt you still. And that's why you need not to love the world. When you love it, you allow its influences to take advantage over your life. Look at what Jesus did. Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. Jesus died to deliver us from the influences of the world. He said, who gave, look at this, who gave, yielded himself to atone for our what? For our, and to save and sanctify us in order to do what? Oh, come on, read that aloud. Rescue and do what? Word order. Word order. In accordance with his will and the purpose and plan of our father. So that's it. We've been delivered from the world order. So when the Bible says we shouldn't love the world, these are some basic reasons why that should not be so because you are, you are not in the world. You have been delivered from the world. So loving it makes it something inappropriate. But there's a cost to loving the world. Somebody say it will cost you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, loving the world does not mean that you are not the child of God. When you love the word, it doesn't mean that you are not a child of God. But it will cost you. You have to understand that. He says, if any man loves the word, let's go back there. Do not love the word nor the things in the world. If any, somebody say, if any. So he may be a preacher. He may be a singer. He may be a deacon. He may be a deaconess. He may be a minister. If any loves the world, it's certain the love of the Father is not in him. The love of the Father is not in him. He can't find expression in him. Five reasons why it's costly to love the world. Number one, because love for the world is incompatible with love for God. Somebody say love for the world. It's incompatible with love for God. Say love for the world. It's incompatible with love for God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't love God and love the world at the same time. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You will choose one. You will love one and hate the other. No one can serve two masters, so don't try to do it. You are either a spiritual Christian or you are a worldly one. Choose one. You can't serve two masters. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, James puts it in a very, very deep and powerful way. James chapter 4, verse 4. James chapter 4. He says, adulteress and adulteresses. Did you see the word he uses is very strong here? Adulteress and adulteresses. Can you see that? Do you know that friendship with the world is what? Friendship with what? Is enmity with God. And then he explains, if you don't understand what enmity is, he said, whoever would therefore be a friend of the world makes himself the enemy of God. So you are a child of God, but practically you have become an enemy of God. So you can be a Christian and still be an enemy to the purposes of God in your life. There are some people, their own enemies. What they are supposed to do to progress, they won't do it. They know all of it, but they are not willing to do it. Loving the world makes you an enemy of God. It will cost you something. You are in opposition against God's purposes. 
Whatever God wants to do in your life, he cannot do it. He calls them adulteress and adulteresses. In other words, why would God say that loving the world makes you an adulterer? Because you are his bride. He's bought you. He's married to you. So, just as in the natural, the moment a married man is desiring another woman and going to bed to another woman, he's committing adultery. That's what he's talking about here. You are his bride. He set his affection and love on you. So, he says, if any man is in love with the world, friendship with the world is enmity with God. Now, I like verse 5. He said, or do you think, do you think that the spirit of God says in vain that the spirit that dwells in us Yens jealously. Somebody say, God is a jealous God. Say, God is a jealous God. Yeah. There's a positive jealousy that comes with love. Positive jealousy. Yeah. Positive jealousy. When you genuinely love somebody, you are also jealous when other people are trying to cross your path. Yeah. But it's not a destructive type. By the time you are jealous that you are married to some guy and you close church, he's greeting a sister, you are so jealous. That when you go home, the moment he appears, you meet him with slap. I told you you should not talk to this person again. The jealousy is going somewhere else. Yeah, but there are some people too, they are married. No matter who their spouse is talking with, even when there are clear signs that they are flirting, they say, I don't mind. It's most likely that you are also doing the same thing. Because if you are not doing the same thing, you will mind. When the heart is invested and involved, you will be concerned. Praise the Lord. God has bought us at the price. You will not pay so heavily for a car, for a house, and then somebody is just messing it up and you are just watching. Oh, hey, 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 hey. No. God is jealous over us. Why? Because we've been bought with a price. Somebody say, I'm valuable to God. So the spirit, yes, he's jealous. When your affection is going after other things, God is concerned. He gets concerned. Why? Because he bought you and he has set his love on you for that purpose. So it's key. Loving the word will cost you. It will cost you fellowship with God. You are his child. You remember what happened to the prodigal son? When he left home, he was still the father's child. When he came back, he was still the father's child. But when he went, his inheritance was gone. By the time he came back, his inheritance was wasted. And I'm telling you, a number of us, we are wasting precious things God has given to us because of our love for the world. Today you are there. Tomorrow you are there. You are just wasting resources, depleting them. Resources that you could use to advance your life. Resources you could use to advance the kingdom of God. You are just wasting them because you are following passion, position, and pleasure. I pray that you'll be delivered in this series. I pray that God will set us free in this series. Love for the well. There are people who buy things, they don't need to impress people who cannot be impressed. And it's love for the world. The pride of life, they want to appear. Now, we will come to talk about it. They want to appear to be something they are not. So, <laughs> turn to your neighbor. When you love the well, you come into direct confrontation. With God. Loving the world brings you into conflict with God. And that's why, listen, let me tell you something. There is no genuine child of God who is happy living in worldliness. They are miserable. Every child of God, the pleasures of sin is for the sinner. The pleasures of sin is not for the believer. If you can enjoy sin comfortably, comfortably, 
Lie comfortably. Sit comfortably. Have sex comfortably. Listen. <laughs> Don't deceive yourself. You are not saved. You are not saved. You are not saved. Because if you were, <laughs> there will be trouble. That is the first thing that happens. The moment you get born again, you are a new creation. Anything that comes that is not like your new nature, there will be a response. That's what shows that you are saved. The Bible said, the one that is born of God cannot continue in sin. He can't practice sin because the seed of God abides in him. So, when you are a professional practitioner of sin, the seed is not there. Are you here with me? The seed is not there. Loving the world will cost you. Number two, loving the world robs you of blessings of intimate fellowship with God. When you love the world, it robs you of the blessing of intimate fellowship. The love of the Father will be extinguished in your heart, in your life. You don't cease. Look at this. Look at this. John chapter 14 verse 21. I like John chapter 14 verse 21. He said, he that hath my commandment and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Look here. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. We are talking about intimacy here. This is not just normal. This is intimacy. This is not general love. God loves me unconditionally. This is not that type. This is intimacy. I love everybody here. You all, I love you very well. But I can't trust everybody. Yes, all of you here. I can trust Pastor Pei. I can trust Pastor James. Pastor Champong. There are some people I can't trust you. I don't even know you where to trust you. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Do I love you? Yes, I love you. But I can't trust you. I cannot. There is no intimacy. And God wants to have that level with you. So God loves you unconditionally. But God will not reveal his secrets to the unsaved. The Bible says, eyes have not seen nor ye heard. Neither have it entered into the hearts of men. The things which God has what? Prepared for them that love him. When you are in love with him, there are packages that God sets aside for you. Those who are intimate. In times of intimacy, the language is different. When you are intimate, Jesus had the 12 disciples. He had the multitudes. He had the 12 disciples. He had the three and he had John. There were things he shared with John he didn't share with any other. There are things he shared with Peter, James, and John he didn't share with the rest. That is intimacy. Love. So he asked Peter three times, do you love me more than this? Peter, where we are going, you have to take this thing to another level. Do you love me more than this? And in the first two times, Peter said, he said, do you love me more than this? And Jesus was talking about agape. Peter said, I feel you. I feel you. That's it. But when Peter got into the flow, everything changed. I get what I'm talking about. Some of you, your relationship problem started because you trusted somebody you didn't know. You confided in somebody who was not worthy of your confidence. Confidence in an unfaithful man is like a teeth that is broken and is out of shape. That's what the book of Proverbs says. When you confide in somebody you should not confide in. Praise the Lord. You don't just start dating somebody. You start going out three months and he knows everything about you. He's such a fool. How can you do that? Tell a person three months, he knows everything about you. Your past, present. No, 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 no. No. No, 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 no. That's a risk. That's a risk. That's a risk. That's a risk. A personal friend of mine was with me yesterday. I was sharing. There's a gift of trust, but there's trust that is also earned. Praise the Lord. There's a gift of trust. You have to learn to trust people. People don't have to do anything for you to trust them. That is the foundation for relationship. But 
people also qualify for a higher level of trust. Am I communicating here? So we have to be very careful. In the Bible, one man, he was a king. He brought some people to his house. And the moment he brought them to it, they saw all the things there. The next time, they went to plan the coup and they came to vanquish everything. Yeah. It was simple like that. So loving the word will cost you. Somebody say, loving the word will cost you. What did the prodigal son lose? First John chapter 3, verse 21. The Bible says, if our heart condemn us not, we have confidence with the Father. Have you seen that? If our heart condemn us not, we have confidence before the Father. Now look at Luke chapter 15, verse 17 to 24 with me briefly. The Bible said, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. When he came to himself, so where had he been all this while? He came to himself. The Bible said he went and spent his substance on righteous living. That's in fanciful living, pleasure-driven life. Because that's what loving the world is about. The pleasures of this life. The positions in this life. The passions of this life. That's what it is. Solomon said that I decided to enjoy life and to experience all kinds of things. And at the end, my conclusion is vanity upon vanity or is vanity. That was it. I will arise and go to my father. Look, look at this. And I will say, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Take note of that. This is what happens when you break fellowship. He says, make me like one of your hired servants. Okay? Verse 20. Then he says, and he arose and came to the father. But while he was still a great way of his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He's still my son. Verse 22. He says, but the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe, put it on him, ring, put it on him, sandals on him. Now continue. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and make merry. Look at this. For this my, for this my, after all of that, I thought you would say, now you are my servant. He said, for this my son. So while he was in the mess, he was still his son. While he was loving the world, he was still his son. But did he pay a price for it? Yes. Everything he gave him, he lost it. I'm not communicating here. Don't think that you just sin and you sin for free. I'm born again. All my sins are forgiven. Past, present, and future is forgiven. It's true. That is the truth. We won't change scripture. I'm not going to get here. Jesus will not die twice to save you. He died once to obtain eternal redemption for you. And when he finished on the cross, your sins in the future, your sins in the past. At the time he died on the cross, your sins were in the future. It is when you got born again now, you see your sins has passed. So, when he died, he secured your forgiveness in the future, your forgiveness in the present, your forgiveness in the past. All of that is sorted out. Am I communicating here? Uh -huh. That is the reality of scripture. That is the reality of someone whom we say is a new creation. And sometimes when people hear that, they are like, oh, if that is the case, then I can continue to sin. Yes, you see, that is where you missed it. Because you think that when you sin, sin is fun. Sin is pleasure. Yes, the Bible talks about sin, but it talks about the pleasure of sin for a season. When you are having sex, it's hot, hot, hot. Fine. The moment you finish is a season. When the effect of it begins to catch up with you, then you begin to see, hey, had I know. Am I communicating here? When you are stealing money, as long as you are not caught, it's fine. But when you are caught, 
you'll be speaking in tongues. And the judge, who is also speaking in tongues, will sentence you. Am I communicating here? You are born again, but you'll be sentenced. You'll be sentenced. You'll be in the prison. Sentenced Christian, but you're in the prison. Am I communicating here? Listen, sin has a price. It will cost you something. So let's not, you see, <laughs> when I got born again, you were running away from sin because you wanted to make heaven. That's not the focus now. <laughs> because now I'm seated in Christ in heavenly places. So now, in Christ Jesus, heaven is a place where I operate from. It's not a place I am going. Am I communicating here? Yeah, I'm not waiting to go to heaven. I'm already operating from heaven. That's it. But I need to live a life of consecration and purity because I have to be a testimony to others. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then I also have to tell God that I am grateful that when I was so deep in sin, buried in sin, when I was on my way to hell in sin, when I was filled with that smoke, for me in particular, when I was smoking and I was almost becoming a lunatic smoking, Christ had mercy on me and saved me. If he saved me when I didn't know him, now that I know him, should I hate him that much? Am I communicating to somebody at all? Why should you? Why? When somebody has paid a costly price to do something valuable for you, somebody buys you an iPhone 15 Pro, and then you look at his face, then you hit it on the ground. What do you think people's judgment shall be of you? Everybody will think you are mad. Because sensible people, normal people, don't carry iPhone 15 Pro and put it or hit it on the floor. Normal people don't do that. Am I communicating here? They don't do that. They don't do that. So you think you're having fun. It's actually showing that you are abnormal. You don't understand what has happened in the realm of the spirit. Are you here with me? The prodigal son was given so much and he lost everything because of love for the world. Do you also remember one woman by the name of Lot's wife? Lot's wife. Lot's wife. She turned back. She became what she was not supposed to become. She was not supposed to become that she had been delivered. She was on her way to safety. But because of love for the world, she missed God's best for you. You shall not miss God's best for your life. I said you shall not miss God's best for your life. Number three, love for the world can prevent you from discovering and fulfilling your proper destiny in God. Say, I have a proper destiny in God. Oh, shout it. I have a proper destiny in God. No, that's a whisper. Say, I have a proper destiny in God. Do you really believe you have a proper destiny in God? Then you shouldn't be looking depressed. Praise the Lord. I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Somebody say, I have a hope. And it's a living hope. Great things are spoken of me. My greatness is manifesting on every side. I'm born for greatness. I refuse to settle for little. I am the light that shines in darkness. And the darkness cannot comprehend it. Greatness is in my DNA. And greatness I shall manifest. In Jesus' precious name. Shout an amen. You have a proper destiny. Let me tell you. And that proper destiny cannot be fulfilled if you sell your soul out to love the world. You can't. You can't. 
you know, in the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he said, I beseech you therefore, my brethren, by what? The message of God that you present what? Your bodies as living what? Holy and uh, before God. Then he says, be not what? Be not. I'm showing you something. Let's read it together. Be not what? Verse 2. Be not conformed to this word, but be transformed. Be transformed by what? So when you don't conform to the world, you are transformed by the renewal of your mind, then what will happen? Then you will prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What if you become conformed to the world? You can't prove it. You can't obtain it. So you end up living a life that is less than what God ordained for you. That's what I'm saying, that you can't fulfill your destiny loving the world. There was a man who had a proper destiny like that. At birth, he had a proper destiny. And all of us at birth, you see, if in the natural you were not born well, don't worry about it. You have been born into a great and a better family spiritually. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to. You have a proper birth in Christ. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 23, the Bible says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid of his parents for three months because they saw he was a proper child. Somebody say, I'm a proper child. Say, I am a proper child. Say it aloud, I am a proper child. He said, they saw he was a proper child, and so they hid him. Now look at this. They hid him when he was a child. When you are a child, there are things that can be done for you. But when you grow up, you have to accept responsibility for yourself. And let me tell you, if you are raised well, but when you grow up, you don't take responsibility. You can belong to the biggest and the greatest family and still end up as a mediocre. Praise the Lord. The prize for greatness is responsibility. That's what a wise man said. The prize for greatness is what? You have to accept responsibility. The Bible says they hid him for three months because they saw he was a proper child. Verse 24, the Bible said, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, in other words, when he became old, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing, now look at this, choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God, than to enjoy. Look at this. Enjoy what? Say it. Enjoy what? Enjoy what? Enjoy the pleasures of sin for what? A season. A season. It's only seasonal. The pleasures of sin is seasonal. And that's what we are talking about. The climax. The climax of the world. When you read all of this, the Bible says the world is passing away. And the last thereof. All the pleasures will come and pass. It's not going to be there all the time. It's seasonal. That's why you have to put your hope on something that is enduring and lasting. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now look at this, verse 26. He said, esteeming the reproach of Christ of greater riches than the treasures in Egypt because he had respect unto the recompense of reward. Verse 27. He said, by faith he forsook Egypt. Somebody say forsook Egypt. <laughs> Let me tell you, the greatness that Moses manifested it was all because of this. He forsook Egypt. He forsook Egypt. Can I tell you something? There are things God is calling you to forsake this year. If you don't let go of those things, it's not God stopping you. It's not demons. It's not witches. It is those things you are holding on, stopping you from entering your inheritance. Let them go. When you are climbing a mountain, there are weights you should not carry. If you carry those weights, you cannot make it. Cannot make them. That's what the Bible says. Well, for seeing that we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of darkness, let us lay aside 
every weight. Somebody say every weight. And the sin. There are some of the things. It's not a sin. It's a weight. 25, 30, 40, 35, 28. You spend three hours and you are watching a movie. That's a weight. You are wasting your life away. Am I communicating here? Yeah. You're wasting your life away. Three hours on a movie. At your age. You're wasting your life away. It's a weight. It's not a sin. But it's a weight. It's something that will derail you from getting into your destination. Am I communicating here? From January to now, you've not read a single book. But you've watched all manner of useless stuff on social media and then you are forwarding them to other people. It's a weight. It's a weight. It's a weight. Other people are making money from the videos you are sharing and you are broke. You are sharing, you are not getting any meaningful returns out of it and you are also using your data on top. You can do better with your life and your time. Am I communicating somebody here? The Bible said, by faith, he forsook. There are some friends you need to forsake this year. Egypt is used in the Bible as a typology of the world. He forsook Egypt. Forsook by faith, he left it. He left Egypt. That's why Moses became Moses. And we are talking about Moses as one of the greatest guys. When Jesus was on the mountain, there were two people who appeared there. It was who? Elijah and Moses. Great prophet. The Bible says, if there is any prophet I've raised, I've spoken with them in visions and dreams. But Moses, I speak with him directly. He made hard choices. Am I communicating here? He made hard choices. A choice to be consecrated. A choice to live a life that is dedicated to the things of God. A choice to live a life sold out to God. That's a life that Moses chose. And when he chose that life, he had already chosen his end to be great. You see, God has already determined your end to be great. But it will not manifest without you making the right choices that you need to make. Let me tell you. The man, Samson, was ordained to be a ruler for a long time. But his poor choices, he served for 20 years and that was it. He didn't die because God killed him. He died because he chose to die. His life was such a miserable life. He didn't have eyes. The only thing he could ask for, Lord, give me my strength again. When he gave it to him, he did. there was no meaningful existence again. Why? Because there's no vision. His eyes have been removed. And where there's no vision, my people perish. So what can he do? He said, Lord, let me die with my enemies. That was not his destiny. But he ended up that way because Delilah will come and he will move from Delilah. He will move from here. He will go there. He will go there. It was fun at first sight. It was fun from the beginning. But by the time his eyes were removed, it was not fun. By the time he was tied and held in chains, it was no longer fun. I don't know what it is you are engaged in that you think is fun. And you are just going on and on. But I challenge you tonight. Make a U-turn. God has something greater and better for you. And you don't want to destroy your destiny. Somebody shout an amen. amen. Number four. Love for the world will affect your usefulness and effectiveness in the service of God. You want to be used of God. <laughs> Let go of your passion for the world. Love for the world. It will limit your usefulness. God cannot use you much. The impact God wants to make through your life, he can't. If you love the world, you cannot. If you love the pleasures of the world, the passions of the world, no, you cannot. Look, Paul talked about Demas, 2 Timothy 4.10. He says, for Demas have forsaken me, having loved this present world. He loved the world, so he left it. He loved, he had ministry like the kind Timothy had, but he loved the world. He loved money. 
He loved money. So instead of making himself available to be equipped, empowered for ministry, every time, when he closed Wednesday, instead of coming to church, he's doing locum somewhere. He's doing one job. Every time, he picks job upon job. I mean, it is something else. Particularly those in the West. Oh, people simply don't have time for God and anything. <laughs> I'm not communicating here at all. Yeah. Just money, 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 money. And yet they don't have any life. No happiness, sense of meaningful existence. I'm not communicating here at all. Yeah. A man's life is not in abundance of things which he possesses. God has a greater purpose for your life. Let me tell you, life, eh, you enjoy your life more when you make meaningful contribution to other people. When other people are getting blessed because of you, you will have meaning in life. But when your life is all about you, my wife, my children, your wealth is small and your happiness will be limited. Am I communicating here? Your wealth is small and your happiness will be limited. There are people who have no husband, they don't have no children, and yet they are happier than people who have all kinds of things in their home because that is how life is designed to be. Am I communicating here? So, your usefulness to God your usefulness and your effectiveness. Look at Judges 16, verse 30 to 31. Judges. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on his loss, and all the people were with him. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than those he killed in his lifetime. 31. Look at 31. And his brothers and all his fathers also came and took him and brought him and buried him between... He judged Israel 20 years. Judge Israel what? The question I was asking myself this afternoon. Was that the length of time God had for something? Was that God's plan? When later on we read that David reigned for 40 years. And I mean, looking at a man with that kind of strength. You, you know, footballers usually don't grow weak early. Have you seen that? Because of the rigorous exercise. And so a man of strength like that, a man of great strength, at least he should be living for a very old time. But the choices he made were very poor choices. I hear what you mean. He made poor choices. If I put Joseph and Samson side by side, if you are a lady, you are looking for a man to marry, you choose Samson. Because he has the biceps, the triceps, all the six packs. On your wedding day, all the nyama nyama dream that you have. That my husband will carry me, then you do me like this, and we take a picture. All those, listen, Joseph can do it, but something can do it. Because he has a muscle for it. But do you know that as slim as Joseph was, Joseph was more disciplined in life than something. Something was more gifted. But Joseph was not as gifted. But he was more disciplined. I've seen people who are gifted. And yet, they don't make much of their lives. Some people, they just have something small. But with discipline, consistency, they are able to achieve so much in life. It's a choice. Am I communicating here? It's a choice. It's a choice. You don't have to be born into a rich family to be rich. Yeah. If you are born into a rich family, it sets you up. It gives you a certain advantage, but it doesn't guarantee that you'll be rich. Because the rich choices your parents made, if you don't make the same choices, you will collapse their empire in a short time. And if a person is born into a home of abject poverty and he makes quality choices, they can rise to become anything. Am I communicating here? 
That's what happened. So loving the world is costly. Somebody say loving the world is costly. And then, of course, number five. Love for the world will rob you of eternal rewards. Somebody say love for the world. Say love for the world will rob me of eternal rewards. Say love for the world will rob me of eternal rewards. Look at 1 John 2, 17. The world is passing. Somebody say the world is passing. Yeah, said so the world is passing and the last of it. But he who does the will of God abides what? Oh, talk to me. He who does the will of God abides what? Now, he says, don't love the world. Do you see why you don't have to love the world? Because the world is passing. Why will you put your hope on something that is passing? Something that is so transient. That's what you value most. That's where you make your greatest investment. Build all kinds of mansions. But all kinds of cars. And live in all kinds of places. And you've not made any investment for eternity. The Bible says the world is passing. It is what? It is passing away. It is passing away. The world and everything in it, the pleasures of it will pass away. But the one who will do the will of God, they are the ones who will abide forever. One of my favorite texts in scripture is Revelations 14.13. Revelation 14.13. He said, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit of the Lord, that they may rest from their labors, and their works follow them. See, the world is passing away, but there are some works that can follow you. I'm not communicating here. The world will pass away. Build a house in Airport Hills. Build a house in California, Beverly Hills. Build a house. Get all the properties. The Bible said they will all pass away. But those who do the will of God, those who make investment in things of eternal value, they will abide forever. I pray that you will be one of such people in the mighty name of Jesus. What are the core components in the world? Three, 1 John 2.16. 1 John 2.16. Core components of our world. There are three. What are they? Let's go. Let's start from verse 15 and read. One go. Do not love the world. Let's read. Do not if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, let's go. He said, for all that is in the world. Yeah. Don't love the world because all the things that are in the world, what are they? The core things that are in the world. They are the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. And he says, the source is not good. It's not coming from the Father. So, don't waste your time on it. It has no lifespan. It doesn't come from the Father. And then, the climax. What is the climax? Don't love the world because the climax of the world is not good. Verse 17. Let's go. The world is passing away. Along with what? It's disaster. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. That's what the Bible says. Do not love the world. Have you been blessed? Okay. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name.
Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. You are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarters church from 8.30am to 11am for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6pm to 8pm. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. No, no.